Welcome to Loving That Sports Talk with your host, James Loving. If you're looking for a fast-paced show that covers football and so much more, this is the place to be. Now, here's your host, formerly of the Philadelphia Eagles, James Loving. Hey, this is James Loving, your host of Loving That Sports Talk. Co-host of Will Be Always, a great co-host. Chris, you there? I'm here, James. Chris, you always love it when I have a guest on here that's on the side of the ball that I'm on, you know? Yeah, the offense. I know, I know. I hear it all the time. <laughs> well, I wanted to do all Voice America uh, listed out there, I guess, former NFL player, Doc Holliday. What's up, Doc? Talk to me. What's going on, James? What's going on, Chris? What's going on, Nation? How y'all doing? <laughs> Beautiful down at you all. Exactly. Hey, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. <laughs> well, we're gonna, me and Chris are going to light you up with some, um, get some of your knowledge and actually, you know, um, just, uh, we're gonna, we will have a guest on. We love, I mean, I know you got a story to tell how, because um, to make it in the NFL is just making it in life. You got to persevere. And we just want to hear how, um, how you did it, you know, and like all the listeners out there, we got a lot of young guys out there they like to, you know, uh, how can I say that? Cause just like to learn, you know, and if they can learn from us, Doc, it would be beautiful, wouldn't it? Oh, man, it would, it, it would be outstanding. But, you know, to kind of give you all the cliff notes of my story, you know, born and raised, born and raised here in Memphis, Tennessee, uh, oldest of four kids as far as my mom and my dad is concerned. But my mom died right before my 12th birthday in 85. So Pops kind of raised us, you know, uh, played football here. I uh, got a several scholarships, decided to stay here and play for, you know, Memphis State, which was Memphis State then. It's the University of Memphis now. Played out there for four years. Uh, injured my hamstring my last year, you know, played in six games my senior year. Ran for like 700 yards, but injured my hamstring, so I had to sit out. Uh, thought it was better. Got invited to the Blue-Gray game in Montgomery, Alabama. Went down there and hurt it again, so kind of set out uh, my last year uh, after finishing up. Was lucky enough to get a tryout with the St. Louis Rams uh, the following year because they had been looking at me. So I played with them for about a year and a half, really two years, but only one year counts. And uh, played in the C- CFL for a year. Finished up, came back home, man. Uh, went back to school to get my degree at the university. Uh, uh, married my me and my wife been together since married since '98. Started dating in '87, so we have three kids. I have four. Uh, came back from playing pro ball. You know how it is, making seventy, eighty thousand a month. Uh, coming back, I was broke. Got back in school. Came back uh, from Canada. My car was broke down because my younger brother tore my Corvette up. So, uh, came back, moved into my childhood home. Got back in school. Uh, caught the bus. You know, every day from my home, which is in Whitehaven, south part of Memphis, to the University of Memphis, which is about driving, which is about thirty minutes on the bus. Is even you know even further than that. So uh, got a job at a TV station here as a production assistant, seven dollars an hour, twenty hours a week, working my way up from the bottom. You know because I knew I had a vision of what I wanted to be, which is the sports director for a TV station in my hometown. So I kept that in my sights. So I you know worked my way up from the you know worked my way up from there, and I am sports director at the ABC affiliate here in Memphis, Tennessee, in my hometown. So you know I plenty to share, but that's just a quick clip notes. And I'm thankful for every uh, every challenge that I've faced and uh, continue to be thankful for every challenge that I've faced because it only helps me grow. 
Thank so you got more than plenty to share. And I'm going to start it off, Chris. That's all right with you. Uh, Doc, I want two things that uh, I want you to talk a little bit more. First thing is that uh, when you, you said something about, you know, coming home, being broke, I always tell Chris, you know, a story that happened to me. I told when I was sitting there, and I had the car repo that Walmart went there, used the bathroom, and came repo. So I know what you're saying about that. Yeah. But, um, tell, I mean, when you talk about that a little bit more, talk about that a little bit more, how um, that changed, because that changes me. I said, you know, I got to get up and do something. But the second thing is, I want you to talk more about, you know, a lot of people, and, um, you know, um, the younger kids, the kids coming up now, I think it's more now, they're going through a single-parent family home. And you said your mom passed, you know, I hate to say that, um, and your dad raised you. Tell how you still can make it in life being a single parent, living in, you know, being grown, raised by a single parent. You know, what it's, it's all about, it's all about, an attitude and it's all about a mentality as well, man. Now it, it is tough, but I've seen, you know, I've seen guys and I've seen women, uh, who come from two parent homes and it's still tough for them. But, uh, in my case, uh, you know, like I said, my mom died at such a young age and I, I never really dealt with that tragedy. Uh, you know, being so young, it's like, you know, she's there in the morning, you know, I help her, uh, I still remember she asked me to help her, uh, put her white sandals on, you know, that morning. The next time I saw those white sandals, you know, they were bloodstained in her car that she had wrecked, you know, because that's how she died in the car accident. But just, uh, and it has a lot to do with, thankfully, uh, I had uh, my dad, his sisters, you know, they're from Mississippi, good, you know, good country people, good loving people. He had a lot of sisters that helped us out. And even though I grew up in a, a neighborhood where, you know, it's considered middle class, but now I'm looking, you know, man, my, my, my home was extremely small, but at the time I didn't know. But it was a neighborhood, you know, a relatively new neighborhood. And I, I literally, you know, you hear people saying, I, I grew up around murderers and drug dealers. and I literally grew up around these guys. And, and it wasn't the projects. These were homes. Nice manicure yards. A lot of, you know, a lot of the homes had two parents in it. But it, I had a lot of guys doing a lot of crazy stuff. And I had relatives doing the same thing. So, But with me, luckily, uh you know, I had football. I had sports to kind of, you know, keep me occupied. I had uh, a, a peewee, peewee league coach that I was still able to talk to who, you know, and I was able to, you know, watch my dad, see how he, how hard he was working and uh, the things he was sacrificing. And uh, and I tell people all the time because I, I love speaking to young people because, uh, you know, uh, it, it sounds like a cliche, but you're capable of doing anything. I mean, God gives us the ability to, to dream and to have a vision. And, and I tell kids all the time, if you have a dream that's implanted in your head, that's, that's a message for God letting you know you can achieve that. And if your dream doesn't scare you, it's not big enough. So that's kind of what I always felt and what I always thought. And even though I had guys in my neighborhood that was doing a lot of illegal things like selling drugs and going to rob people and breaking in homes, uh, luckily, they would never let me go. You know, no, you're going to stay here. You know, you're playing ball, man. Go do some homework or something. Don't you got to practice? Yeah. You know, so it, it, you got to surround yourself with positive people. Uh, and that's important because the people you surround yourself with, that's nine times out of ten, that's the route you're going to take and that's the life you're going to live. So this, this, it's just extremely important to have a good mindset and always knowing that you're capable capable of Achieving anything you want to achieve, don't let other people place labels and limitations on you because they have no idea 
what God has planned for you. Wow. That's a pretty powerful, powerful talk you had there. One thing I've always stated is, you know, you are who you, who you hang out with, you know, who you associate with. You are, you're, you're that same, same person. So, you know, surrounding yourself with positive people, that, that really only helps you, you know, become that, that, that powerful, positive man. Yes, ma'am. Yeah, I mean, you, you, I mean, you're exactly right, Chris. And uh, a lot of times we can't, uh, as young men, we don't, you know, that's part of our reality and part of our uh, atmosphere. You know, we think it's cool, you know, all the gang banging, all they selling dope. Uh, you know, it, 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 you think it's cool, but it's always at least one or two people that are around you you can look at and be like, hey, he's not doing it that way. He's not doing that. So I've always tried to... Uh, I never wanted to make my mom, you know, or my dad, you know, disappoint them or embarrass them. And plus, I had younger siblings that were kind of looking up to me. So uh, it was just always about, you know, making the right decisions and being a good role model and uh, being, you know, being as great as, you know, as, as God told me I could be, you know, saying, and every, if every person believes that, young and old, we can all achieve, you know, great things. You just have to remember that, and it's a constant process to constantly fight what you've been programmed of saying that, you know, you can't do that. You, you're not supposed to do that. I never listened to that. Because I'm like, if somebody else can do it, I can do it, you know. And, mm-hmm. and that's just how I approach life and that's just how I approach everything uh, that I do. And that's, you know, one of the messages and I try to convey to the young people and, you know, grown people when I talk to them. It's, you know, I'd be amazed how many, you know, conversations I still have with Professional athletes and former athletes, you know, Isaac Bruce, this is, we've been like brothers since college. We just had a long conversation about an hour ago. We talk about three three or four times a week, you know. He pep talked to me, I pep talk him. So uh, that's all, that's extremely important. Absolutely. So, so I just want to know, James, are, are you sure you're not related to Doc? Because it sounds very similar. You know what? Well, he's talking about his family and, and, and upbringing is very similar to yours. I was just already saying that, Chris. You, 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 you was in my mouth. I was not saying mm-hmm. because one, I am related to him because I'm like a little brother to him. You know, that's what he's saying. You know, I'm definitely family. We all family when we play. You know, listen to him. I would love to be his little brother. You know, but um, that's what we're gonna do, Doc. We're gonna take a break. We'll come back. I am gonna talk about that. I want you to reiterate a little bit more because Chris did hit that on the spot. So this is um, James, Chris. And the doc is in the house. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Want to experience football from the perspective of two former players who also have coaching experience? Tune in to Sports Info UM with Daryl Oliver and Sam Sword. We'll talk about the drafts, play-by-play, and even what's happening in the offseason. Daryl and Sam have the connections and the knowledge to bring you the inside stories of the game's past, present, and future. We'll cover the camps, on and off field, and everything else, football and beyond. Sports Info UM is heard Mondays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Check your feelings at the door and enter the man cave. Don't let the name fool you because we're here for anybody that wants to talk and listen in. Host J.D. Harris and friends are here to lead the forum from the fans, former players, owners, execs, and coaches. While inside the man cave, you do whatever you like. We won't judge. We'll even go beyond sports to talk technology, current events, and entertainment. 
Tune in every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You're hooked up with loving that sports talk. James Loving and his guests want to hear it from you. Call us at 1-888-346-9144. That's 888-346-9144. Or drop an email to lovingthatsportstalk at yahoo.com. Now, back to the show. This is James Loving, your host for Loving That Sports Talk, co-host with the Chris. We here, aren't we? I am here, and you know what? I brought brought one of my good friends, Doc Holiday, along with me. That's what I'm talking about. What's up, Doc? How you doing? I'm fine. I'm fine. I am outstanding. Right. Glad to be with you all. Yeah. Well, you were speaking on something. And I was sitting there, and Chris Miller uh, talking about you know where he grew up and all the murders, and, you know, and like you say, you know, the story everybody has. But what I want you to really reiterate on more is about. Uh, a lot of people say, well, you know what? I had peer pressure for my friends. They always been my long time friends, so I did it and got in trouble. But how did you stop? You know, I'm sure you had some friends that were saying, hey, Doc, come do this, come do that. You know it was wrong. How did you don't fall into that peer pressure? Man, you you know what? I don't. I I, I want to say that. I mean, really though, because I've been in situations where you know I, I could have easily gotten into some trouble. I, I mean, I've always almost been shot a couple of times. I've heard a bullet, you know, shoot by my head. But I remember when I was at, in in junior high school, I used to fight all the time. I mean, I, football. I was just angry, you know. And I think it came from going through what I did, went through with my mom dying at such an early age. So I used to fight. I mean, a football player, anybody bother my, my, my neighborhood guys or anybody on my team, and especially one of my brothers and sisters, I, I wasn't going to even give you a chance to blink. I was going to go ahead and hit you. So I had an attitude problem. But when I was in junior high school, I, my best friend, uh, uh, you know, he, he started, he played football, but then he quit. Then he started breaking into homes. We you know we like in the eighth and ninth grade. Then he started hanging out with these other guys who I was close friends with. But then I noticed that they started, you know, coming to my house, installing cars, started breaking into homes, and I just never that that was just never my thing. I never did that. I mean, they they would come to try to pick me up in a stolen car. I was like, no, dog. You know, we'd be somewhere in the mall. They'd be like, hey man, let's uh, y'all ready to go to the house? We'd be like, yeah, you know. You know, I'm I'm ready to walk. They're like, nah, we ain't finna walk. We're going to get a car. So they were still a car. And I'd be like, nah, I'm going to walk. And a lot of times it was a mile. It was two miles. They're like, you don't want to I said, man, I don't want to ride. So uh, I don't know what to really attribute that to. I don't know if I was just smart, but I, I never was one to take from people or, or to do that kind of stuff. And I, always, I knew from the guys in my neighborhood, you start doing that stuff, and it, it, it leads to something else. And this was when we were 14, so when we were 15, we got to uh, high school, uh, fairly high school here. It was four of us that used to hang out together all the time, tight, but I stopped hanging out with them really towards the end of our ninth grade year because they started doing all this criminal activity. Like, you know, like I said, felonies and breaking into houses and stealing and all. But so what happened is that they started a little click when we got to 10th grade, and they ended up murdering a guy uh, mm. that all of us was close with. 
and all of us were together the day they murdered this guy, and they asked me to come with them, but they told me they were just going to jump on him. And I'm like, first of all, man, I don't have anything against, you know, Randy. I'm not, I'm not doing any of that. Little did I know, they had already planned to kill him, which they did. This was in 87, so 88. They went to prison at 15. Uh, two of them just got out like two years ago. Uh, and one of them went right back out, one went right back, and another one is still in there. So I don't really know what to attribute it to. I don't know if my mom was always whispering in my ear or pushing me in a different direction, but that's just something that I just knew that I, I wasn't, you know, I, I wasn't going to do, even with the, cause the guys in my neighborhood that was going, leaving the neighborhood to do those things. They wouldn't let me go. And my, my cousins who were selling drugs, they wouldn't let me come to their drug homes, and they wouldn't let me go. So, uh, you know, I, I just want to say, you know, my mom and just kind of being smart and, of course, and, and God as well, just pushing me a different direction. I just didn't, you know, I just didn't get down with any of that. Chris? Yeah, no, that's 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 a really great thing to have. I mean, I understand about the anger, and that when, when you said how angry you were, that's the first thing I thought of is, you know, that that you hadn't, dealt with, you know, your mom's death and this was the way you were dealing with it. So it was just, it's it's unfortunate, but it's also a good fortunate thing that you got your, you know, you, you, you figured things out and uh, people saw it. So. Oh, yeah. Thanks, Chris. Yeah, no doubt about it. It's a good thing. All right. Y'all, man, y'all, got, y'all, y'all, y'all got me feeling like I'm on Oprah's couch, man. Y'all too good at what y'all oh, do. Yeah, no. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> okay. Well, let's, let, let, let's turn it a little bit. No, it's cool. You know, Go ahead, so, whatever. So you, it is fine. so you went to University of Memphis. Yeah, no doubt about and it. Well, I, I, I know yeah. this this week, last weekend they didn't play because they were supposed to play Central Florida, and we know yeah. what happened down there. So they yeah. they weren't playing. But this weekend they're playing UCLA. I would like your opinion on how is Memphis going to do against UCLA. Uh, you know what? That's a that's that's a great question. But the the thing I like to tell people, you know, when those West Coast teams come this way, they have to look for a different style of football because you know UCLA's coming in, you know, ranked twenty fifth in the nation. Josh mm-hmm. Rosen is thrown for like what two thousand yards so far and about fifty eight thousand touchdowns his first couple of games. Uh, but Memphis defense is is kind of suspect, but. UCLA needs to get ready for a Memphis offense that's probably one of the most explosive offenses that it will see. And I know they like to score points on the Pac, uh, you know, on the West Coast and in the Pac-12. But mm-hmm. Memphis has such an amazing quarterback in Riley Ferguson. They have such an amazing receiver in Anthony Miller. They have like a group of four or five running backs they can throw at you, and each one of them can take it seventy yards. So I'm expecting, you know, a game that's probably going to end up fifty or forty. 50 to 45, something like that, because I don't think Memphis defense can slow down UCLA. But at the same time, I don't think UCLA's defense can slow down the Memphis Tigers, you know. But we'll see. 11 a.m. Central Time, yeah, ABC. So do you see a game similar to that of, uh, of, of this past weekend's Oklahoma and uh, Ohio State? Exactly, exactly. And, uh, you know, Memphis is, you know, it's, it's physical ball we play down here in the South. So, I don't, you know, I don't, we don't really like those West Coast teams, you know. So, we'll see what they bring to us. They barely beat us in Pasadena a couple of uh, a couple of years ago we went there, and they beat us by like six or seven points. So, we'll see what those Bruins are uh, talking about when they get down here. I'll be watching. Hey, Doc. <laughs> Go ahead. What's up, James? Doc, explain a little bit more how you said, you know, how different ball and how they play on the West Coast. But a lot of people think, you know, nobody can handle with the West Coast people, ball, 
you know, I mean, it's a different ball, right? Yeah, I mean, it. You know, it, on the on the West Coast, this is they deal more with. I want to try to outrun you. I'm faster than you. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Uh, but it doesn't necessarily work down here. And I, I, case in point, when I was, when I was playing at Memphis State, 1991, we went to USC to play the Trojans. I think they were like ranked 10th in the nation. They had Willie McGinnis and Johnny Morton, Mazio Rush, Tony Baselli, all these future NFL guys. You know, they were big dogs. Here we are, little Memphis State. We show up in California, people looking at our joggers. It's like, what is MSU? What is that? Is that Memphis? I've never heard of that Memphis. You know, we beat them down. We smacked them in the face, and they quit. So I, that's that's the that's the mentality. That I, and I know I'm going back to my football days, right? now. I'm supposed to be a, you know an anchor and objective, but I'm not objective. I'm, I'm, I'm pulling for the Memphis Tigers. Just a different kind of football. We just play physical down here in the South, man. That's all right. I'm gonna stick with my Wyoming all the time too. <laughs> well, you got to remember, Oregon comes to Wyoming this weekend, so that's, yeah, it's, it's yeah, tough, tough game. Go ahead, Chris. All right, so I'm 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 throwing it out there. I know you've probably already talked about this, but I'm putting it out there. Let's talk about Ezekiel Elliott. He's got a six-game suspension that I I believe should stand. You know, uh, Tom Brady did his time. Josh Brown did his, and and he even has another six-game suspension handed to him. Um, Elliot earned his punishment for, you know, basically for domestic violence. You know, and the league sent a message: if if you assault a woman, your career will be changed in a negative way. You know, and, and and you can basically look at Josh Brown and Ray Rice as examples. So, what's your opinion on this? No, I think I think the suspension still stands. Um, it, it should stand because, regardless of uh, what your rationale is, uh, I think there were, there were pictures and documented you know, that you know the young lady was injured, and this is a you know he's had a history of doing things since he's been in the NFL, which is unfortunate. So, uh, handed down the six game suspension, and uh, I know for a fact that a lot of times professional athletes they live in a, you know we live in a warped reality because a lot of times the rules don't apply to us. We think they don't yep. apply to us because nine times out of ten they don't. No one holds us accountable for our actions. So uh, it's good that he's been punished, and hopefully this does stand. He eventually uh, learns something from this because the only way he will learn is for him to be punished and have to go through this. So hopefully uh, uh, it does stand up and he does serve his suspension because the, the young man has a lot of talent, but he needs to grow up, and he needs to grow up fast. And, and if not, he's going to fall You know, just like – a lot of other former players, they come into this money and this fame at such a young age and don't know how to deal with it, and people let them get away with everything. So when their career is over, they end up, you know, being depressed and suicidal and, and not feeling, you know, uh, feeling too much about themselves. So yeah, I, I, I think he should. Uh, I think the suspension should be held up, and he should be held accountable for, you know, not just that, you know, all these other things and situations he's put himself in. Right. You know, Zach, I totally agree because. You know, I know um, I was in the 90s, 88, 90s. We didn't have much of this social media. So we no, got away with a lot of things. Man. Right, we got away with a lot of things because, like you say, we felt like we was above everything, you know? I know it. <laughs> so, so, hey, but, you said something there because I say that all the time. If we had social media and Twitter back when I was in college from 91 to 94, oh, my gosh, man. I don't know if I would have made it. I don't either, you know. I hung out with some good guys. I hung out with... You know, Jerome Brown, Seth, me, him, Keith Jackson, you know, all of them. Yeah, you know? yeah big dogs. Yeah, 
so and those big names. So you know, if they would have did. It would have been all over with the social media nowadays. You know. Hey man, ain't no doubt about it. No doubt about it. But I think too, like you say, he needs to grow up. You know, he's been in too many incidents, like one after another. One sooner or later, you got to, you know what I'm saying? Especially when it's a, you know, death and mess about it. Because if that was my daughter, my child, he would been a, he wouldn't been on no football field. You know what I'm saying? No, I, I know it, man, and I, I have two girls, man, and I don't, you know, and a, and a wife, and you know, I mean, I just, I mean, I don't, I don't believe in that, and it should, it just should be zero tolerance, and I think he should be glad and thankful that it's only six games, because I mean, that's something right. that really, you know, could disqualify you for, you know, because playing in the NFL is a privilege. I mean, Ezekiel Elliott, you're good, but man, you know how many great football players out there that don't get a chance, so you know, uh, yeah. he should be lucky it was only six games. Right. Yeah. I, no. No. Yeah. I, I'm sorry, James. Go ahead. No, I just, I just like, you know what? You know, and like Doc say, we was. It's just what you saying, Doc, is it's amazing because people need to hear that. You know. Yeah. You don't need to hear from a lot more than one athlete, but a lot more. You know, people can get up yep. and say. Yep. So I just wanted to say that, Chris. Sorry, brother. No. Go ahead. So I'm done. Go ahead. Well, actually, I just heard the music. Let's go ahead and take a break. We come back. I, I have a, a follow-up to what we were just talking about, Ezekiel. So we'll be right back. Your internet flagship station for sports. Sports. Want to experience football from the perspective of two former players who also have coaching experience? Tune in to Sports Info UM with Daryl Oliver and Sam Sword. We'll talk about the drafts, play-by-play, and even what's happening in the offseason. Daryl and Sam have the connections and the knowledge to bring you the inside stories of the game's past, present, and future. We'll cover the camps, on and off field, and everything else, football and beyond. Sports Info UM is heard Mondays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Okay, sports fans, here's your opportunity to discuss football, America's favorite sport. On an annual basis, millions of people attend, watch, and listen to football, both pro and college. Ray Ellis Sports, an internet talk radio show, was developed with the fan in mind. Join host, former Philadelphia Eagles and Cleveland Browns strong safety, Ray Ellis, on Voice America Sports every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific for exciting, interactive football discussions from the fans' perspective. Tune in every Tuesday at at 1 p.m. Pacific to Ray Ellis Sports right here on the Voice America Network and let's talk football. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Your internet flagship station for sports... Sports. You're hooked up with loving that sports talk. James Loving and his guests want to hear it from you. Call us at 1-888-346-9144. That's 888-346-9144. Or drop an email to lovingthatsportstalk at yahoo.com. Now, back to the show. 
I'm right here, right, wait, waiting for everything to happen. Well, we got our guest, former NFL player Doc Holiday. Doc, you didn't leave us, did you? No, man, I'm I'm right in. If, if, as long as you all didn't hang up on me, I'm here. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> I should really do that because when I learn something and when I love to hear somebody speak the way you speak, you know, I'll never hang up on you. <laughs> I, I do. I appreciate it. I was... Yeah, you have no idea how many times he's hung up on me. You have no idea. I won't go there. I won't go there. I don't know so. if I want to believe that, Chris, but if you say so, I won't doubt you. I won't okay. doubt you. So I, I have a follow-up comment regarding Ezekiel Elliott. You know, the, 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 basically he's him appealing the suspension. And to me, you know, it's, it's fine to appeal the initial suspension that the NFL hands down. Most players do it. That's not a problem. But for them to then go in and file an injunction for him to keep playing is disrespectful because Tom Brady accepted it. You know, you have, you have uh, Josh Brown. You have all these numerous, numerous better players than him that have gone in and, and actually accepted the, whatever they, they got after they, they appealed the suspension and just did it. And he, he thinks he's too good. He needs to just sit down. And, 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 and take it like a man and just just do it. No, I mean, you know, I, 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 I totally agree. But, you know, they they leaving those doors and have, have those avenues open for him to, you know, to pursue those things, to, you know, get that injunction, to, you know, kind of delay his suspension or hopefully, you know, try to get it negated and vacated all the way. But my thing is that he never denied, never denied, doing it. He never said he didn't do it. So, you know, you, you, you know you did it. So, uh, if you know you did it, go ahead and take your punishment, like you said, Chris, and, uh, uh, you know, be a man and uh, just move on with your life and try to make better decisions the next time. But uh, it looks like that's not what is happening right now. No, I, I, I doubt it will. Chris, let me correct something. Tom did do it. Tom took it all the way to try, but, you know, and, and you got to look at it, you know, well, because he had to go in and use his own money, but he was using the former players' money, and they was like, you know, I'm going to use all that money up. So Tom did do it, too. Am I right, Doc? Yeah, I mean, he fought it. I mean, he he fought it. He fought it to the end, but, you know, uh, eventually, you know, he, he he couldn't do anything else about it. So he, he exhausted all of his options uh, until they finally said, look, man, this is what it is. You know, you got to go ahead on and take it. But, you know, the deflating of footballs is something, you know, I, I, that was petty, man. Roger Goodell, I, I mean, that's petty. You know, football players, you know, quarterbacks do that stuff all the time, among other things. So uh, that was extremely petty. So I, I don't blame Tom, you know, for that. You know, you deflated footballs, come on, man, find something else to fight about. But you're a man and you, you're fighting women or accused of fighting women. And, I mean, that's just something that's just inexcusable. It should, shouldn't be tolerated at all. All right. I agree with you. Yeah, that's Chris. true. All right, so I, I want to talk a little bit about some of the games this past weekend. And the first one I want to touch upon is the Texans. And, oh, boy, they, they're going to have a long season. <laughs> they're going to have a long season. On Sunday, they switched out quarterbacks because Tom Savage wasn't performing. Again, they play tomorrow night. They haven't named a starting quarterback. This has to be a major issue for the rest of the team. What, what, what do you think on that? I mean, it, it, it is. The, the, the fact of the matter is you, you knew Tom Savage couldn't play in the first place. That's why you went out and got Deshaun Watson. I mean, if, if you have a young quarterback who's 
at least equally as good as the guy that you have penciled in as the starter. Tom Savage has been, has been given a thousand opportunities. He hasn't shown you that he can lead that team. He hasn't shown you that he's the quarterback of that team. So if you have a guy that comes in who's coming off a national championship uh, uh, win over you know one of the you know the top program in all of college football, give him the job, man. You have a you know you have a defense that's supposed to be outstanding, but they didn't really play that well this past weekend. So if I'm in that locker room, I'm like you know uh, Tom. I mean you you know. I, like when I played for the Rams, we had we had Steve Walsh, we had Tony Banks, we had Jamie Martin, we had three guys. Steve couldn't throw the ball, and everybody knew that. So you're looking at the guy like, man, I have no confidence when we go out here that we're going to be able to score. The defense is looking like I have no confidence that they're going to be able to put a drive together and put some points on the board to keep us off the field to help us win this game. So I'm pretty sure that's what those Houston Texans defensive players are thinking and even the offensive players because, I mean, Savage, I mean, he was horrible. I mean, give you know, give Deshaun watching the rock. We've seen rookies come in and able to manage games and play well and, and make good decisions. You know, look what Dak did last year. You know, look what Russell Wilson did a couple of years ago. So, I mean, just go ahead and give him give him the keys to the car and just ask him not to wreck it. You know, because Tom Savage is going to wreck it and he's going to ruin any chance you all have of not only competing for an AFC championship but for an AFC South championship because we see what Jacksonville just did and we know Tennessee isn't messing around. So, the Colts are horrible, but uh, just go ahead and let the young fella give him the job, which I think they're going to give him the job on Sunday, and just roll with him. Mm-hmm. Hey, hey, Chris, and I have like two minutes. Uh, All right. Doc, something. I know you got you know. I, I'm going to change it just a little, Doc, because you're making me think. I'm going to change them to, and then Chris will go back to a question. Sorry, Chris. But I just want you to, to say something about this, what you feel. Uh, I kind of knew some players on the Rams. You know, back in, I think it was 80, the Henley brother, the one that got caught for the drugs, remember? With all that dope, yeah, taking it on the yeah. same plane, yeah. yeah. My thing is, you is, and the other guy that would play for the Bears, the receiver, remember he got caught with all that too? Remember that? Yeah. yeah. Why are these guys, I mean, can you explain, I mean, I know it's just our opinion, but why would you do something dumb? You make it millions, you know? And then this guy, he was pretty good, the guy for the Bears, I mean, all these guys get caught up in that extra stuff. I don't get it because, you know, as a player, you're already taking care of just being a player, you know? Yeah, you, but you know what, James, which a lot of people don't understand, man, uh, they automatically think because they see an NFL player or an NBA player or a Major League Baseball player that these guys are, you know, they're so confident. A lot of, you, you know, a lot of these guys have low self-esteem, man. They have low self-confidence. A lot of these guys are not alpha males. A lot of these guys are followers, People assume they're leaders because they have a talent in a sport. But mentally, a lot of them are followers. A lot of them don't know how to say no to the guys they hung out with. A lot of the guys, they they don't know how to say no to uh, guys bringing them and putting them in situations like that. You know, uh, like when I played for the Rams, Lawrence Phillips, you know, we we were in the backfield together. We are rookies. That was my guy. You know, my best friend, unfortunately, we see what happened to him, but he was one of those guys. He didn't know how to say, you know, he didn't know how to say no. So you're Henley, you're making all this money, but you still have guys that you sold that sold dope with, that you may have sold dope with as a kid, or you know they're selling dope. So they're like, hey, look, man, you know, y'all get y'all going on a charter plane. Y'all not really going through security. You know, uh, it's, it's yeah. easy for a lot of those guys to get influenced to do that because they're not leaders. People think they're leaders. They're not leaders. They're followers. They're not alpha males. They're just they, they're followers. They go with the flow. 
So and it's unfortunate a lot of guys think like that. But they do. And, you know, it's, it's a head scratcher. You'd be like, man, you're making all this money, man. Why are you still doing that kind of stupid stuff? But they do because a lot of them are immature. And as far as mental uh, capacity, uh, I don't want to say they, their growth is stunted, but it's like you said, you know, we live in a you know, what reality. They, they've, they've been doing stuff and getting away with it for so long, so they think, you know, I can still get away with it. Or if something happens, yeah. ain't no, no one's going to do anything to me. And when reality hits, it's like, oh, they are doing something to me. And it's like, wow, so. That's, the, that's, you know, that's just how it is with a lot of these athletes, man. My last thing, and then I'll let you go, Craig. I'm sorry. But no, you're the, fine. The public, the public thinks that, too, dog. Everybody's like, they're making all this money. They got, you know, they should be leaders. And you just said it. You know, a lot of people expect us to, them to be leaders, all these, but they're not. They don't have you right. You are so right. You know? Yeah, no, man, uh, uh, and, and it's unfortunate. I mean, I say that even being a former athlete, it's unfortunate that people put so much uh, faith and, and hope in, you know, in professional athletes because a lot of them are just, you know, they're fractured souls. They're fractured spirits. They're just good at a sport. They're good yeah. athletically, but a lot of them are from hard situations, difficult situations. They don't grow. They don't mature. I mean, you, you don't have anybody holding holding them accountable for anything. Then you take this same young fella, and all of a sudden now you're paying him $150,000 a week. You haven't told him anything about finance. You haven't told him anything about credit. You haven't told him anything about making the right decisions. You ha- you're, not, right. you're not surrounding him with him. And a lot of people don't understand it. The quicker they give them that money, especially some of these agents, they know how to pluck it right back from me because the agent going to come. He's going he gonna to want his 4%. Then it's going to be like, you know what, I have a financial advisor for you, which is going to be a friend to him. He's going to clip him. He's going to kick him back something. Be like, you know what, I got a real estate agent for you, which is going to clip him, and he's going to kick him back something. You know, it's, it's, it's just a cycle, man, that needs, to, you know, that needs to be broken. But a lot of these guys, you know, they're already mentally and emotionally broken anyway, and, but a lot of people don't realize that. You're right. Wow. I'm wow. sorry. That's, I'm sorry, that's, that's, that's very true. Yeah. On all on all yeah. that. Oh. Go ahead, Chris. All right. So I want to talk about Le'Veon Bell. Yeah, okay. he's the Steelers running back. This mm-hmm. past weekend, he rushed ten times for thirty-two yards. Yep. And he had three catches for fifteen yards. Mm-hmm. I would call this a subpar performance by Bell. You know, I feel that Bell, you know, missing camp, you know, not being in shape is the cause. You know, what's your opinion on it? No, it is. I mean, it's, it, to, 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 to run in your shorts and without your shirt, you know, it's, it's totally different than being on the football field. And not only, you know, going through being game ready, but just being practice ready. But as far as Le'Veon is concerned, I don't blame him. You know, this is, this is a business. I mean, people, I mean they, they look at sports. Sports is, you know, it's entertainment because that's basically what it is. Uh, you know, we, they mm-hmm. entertain people. They entertain us. But it's a business. If uh, if I want a new, if I feel like I about played my contract, uh, I'm, I'm, he set out till the point he can sit out. Then I'll come back and I'll sign. Well, he really wasn't sitting out. He just had to sign his, you know, sign his tender. So, uh, but yeah, he was, of course he was out of shape. Uh, and at the same time, you know, he's the type of player that he runs. He he's the most patient running back I've ever seen. And I've never seen anybody run like him. Uh, because I've never seen anybody that can actually stop in the backfield besides Barry Sanders. That's, that dude's on a different planet. But the way he runs, to stop in the backfield and to, cha- to come to a complete stop and then change direction and able to accelerate the way that guy does, 
he's an amazing talent. But, yeah, he was out of shape. But I don't blame him for what he's doing, you know, because if he's not performing, they'll cut him. You know, his his contract doesn't mean anything. So I think Ben Roethlisberger and Antonio Brown, they should understand and respect that. They've gotten their money, so he's trying to get his. And plus, he's a running back. His career is probably not going to last as long as theirs anyway because he is a running right. back. So, yeah, he was out of shape. You know, he, I mean, it's that, that's, that's to be expected. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't think too much of it. Doc, give yourself more credit because you're a running back. I played running back in high school, and I had a broken hip, broken wrist, uh, broken toe. The running back get hit more than anybody. You get hit at least by six or seven guys if you run the ball. Am I wrong or right? A play. No, you know what? The, the, the running back, playing running back is, is one of the few positions where you're going to get some contact on, on every, other than offense and defensive line. You're going to have a contact on every play. Receiver's not going to hit every play. You know, cornerback's no. not necessarily going to hit every play. Uh, but a running back, because if you're not running, you're blocking. And if you're in there, yeah. if you're play-action faking, somebody's going to hit you. You know, so, uh, man, I can go down the list of injuries that, you know, I've had playing running back. It's an extremely <laughs> physical position. And, you know, running backs and, like I said, offensive, defensive linemen, those are, you know, three positions that you're going to hit on every play. It's extremely physical, uh, and it's, it's taxing, and, you know, it's hurting. But, you know, Le'Veon, uh, you know, he'll, he'll be all right, man. You know, like, first game, out of shape, a little rusty. But uh, they just need to keep giving him the ball. They should have given him the ball about 20 or 25 times. You just can't get that dude the ball 10 times. Can't do that, so. Right. Right. All right. So, <laughs> Andy Dalton, Cincinnati quarterback. Oh, he had one of the worst games that I've seen in the NFL. He threw four interceptions. Two of them was in the red zone. <laughs> the best thing that opposing teams can do when they play Cincinnati at this point is give him added pressure. He doesn't handle pressure. You know, he'll fold easily. You know, what, 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 what do you think Andy needs to do at this point? You know what, I don't, I don't man, you know what, that's, you know what, Chris, that's, that's, I've never been a real Andy Dalton fan. I know he had a couple of big seasons then. You know, I think a couple of years ago they gave this dude $96 million. But it's like, what are you what are you expecting him to do? Andy Dalton is, is he's not going to win a game for you. He's, you, know, he's not a, you know, he's not a Tom Brady where he can go down, you know, I'm going to win the ball game for you. He's not a Peyton Manning. He's not a Cam Newton. I'm going to go down, you know, I'm going to win the ball game for you. Even right now he's not a Dak Prescott. It's all about what you're asking Andy Dalton to do. They want Andy Dalton to be uh, this drop-back guy, throw the ball all over the place, put up these big numbers and make plays and help us win games. That's just not him. The Bengals should realize that's just not him. And I know they say it's hard to get good quarterbacks now, but Andy Dalton is a solid NFL quarterback. They overpaid him, which they have to, but they have to temper their expectations of what they want, Andy, and try to get that, uh, try to get that running game going and uh, get that defense, you know, back up to, you know, back up to snuff, you know, especially when they get Burfick going back. But I've never been an Andy Dalton fan because I just, you know, he, he's just not a, a, a top talent quarterback to me. So yeah, it was it was a it was a horrible showing, but I've never been, I've never expected him to do anything less than something like this. So I'm not surprised by how he played. I would be more surprised how he threw him for 400 yards and threw four touchdowns. Then I'd be shocked. But to see him throw four picks, I'm like, I'm not surprised because I never believed in Andy Dalton in the first place. And Cincinnati should know what they have and they should know his limitations so they need to come up with a game plan and do something to put not only him but put that offense in a better position 
to be successful because it's, it's, it, he's not the guy they just want him to try to win games for them. And Doc, Chris must then see the Giants-Cowboy game because I thought that was the worst showing by a quarterback with Eli. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Man, you know, I don't, Eli has, you know, Eli is, Eli, Eli was a, Eli was, I, I laugh because Eli has to be the most, uh, man, what's uh, just uninterested looking quarterback and unimpressive. But, you know, you, you look at the two Super Bowls, he was like, well, he has one Super Bowl. Well, he, he, I don't, he didn't win two Super Bowls. He was on two Super Bowl winning teams, you know, with great defense and great coaching and great games. But yeah, and Eli, man, it's just, I've never been a huge Eli Manning fan either. So uh, yeah, Eli e- Eli had a <laughs> he had a rough he had a rough uh, Sunday night, man. He had a real no, rough but Sunday at night. At least they they were able to move the ball as opposed to yeah. Andy Dalton. Yeah, they, yeah, you you, you you are you are exactly right. Now, I take Eli over Andy any day, but yeah, they were able to move the ball and they uh, but uh, yeah, yeah, both of those guys. Um, Doc, they didn't move it to the second half. He was only, but they what, moved it though. It's, it's a sixty-minute game, James. They moved it though. You know what I'm saying? They moved but you, it. But you know why they moved? Because Dallas had to lay out their defense. You know, I mean, they didn't go, and so they gave them that underneath. You know, because they want to get beat deep for the big one, right? Yeah, and, they, and at the same time, they they knew that uh, you know without Beckham, man, and uh, I don't know what Brandon Marshall has left. I don't think he has much left anyway because they didn't even really go to him. So Dallas is almost like, man, you know what? You you y'all can take take all these dump passes because with Beckham, yeah. a lot of times you, you you give up the underneath dump pass, but when Beckham is in the game, you don't want to give that up because he'll take eighty yards on you. But it's like you know Beckham is not here, man. Let's back out. Long as we don't give up the deep ball, they dump the one of these guys. These guys, we're not scared of them taking eighty because they can't take it eighty. You know what I'm saying? So it's like let's sag, sag back, make sure they don't get hit for a big lucky play, and we'll get them all this underneath stuff because we can catch them. And you saw Jalen Smith; he was just catching everybody. It's, it's underneath. He was running everybody down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm sorry. I, I I think Andy Dalton. He just he stunk up the whole thing. So. <laughs> he did. That's my opinion. I mean, he, he did. No, he did. He 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 was. I mean, absolutely. He was horrible. He he was just absolutely horrible. And he's been horrible his last ten games. I think he only got like three wins. So about ten, wow. just as many picks as that does touchdowns. And yeah, Andy Dog just not a very good quarterback to me. No, but he's a highly paid quarterback. Yes, again, because you know, out of necessity. Yeah, out of necessity. You're exactly right. Okay, so so this this question I've I've been wanting to ask for a while, but I haven't come across a running back that would just salivate with the answer. So there's two rookie running backs that should win. One of them should win Rookie of the Year award. I think you know who they are. The first one's Christian McCaffrey, Carolina Panthers. He this past weekend he had 13 carries for 47 yards. Five yeah, catches for 38 that. yards and then three punt returns. And then yes, Leonard Fournette. Jacksonville Jaguars, 26 carries, 100 yards, touchdown, three receptions, 24 yards. Of the two, who do you think is going to win Rookie of the Year? Fournette, because I think Fournette is going to get more opportunities. You know, with uh, Tristan, you know, he has, he has Jonathan Stewart back there. You know, Cam's going to throw that ball around. He's going to run with it, so it's going to take, mm-hmm. he's going to take some of his, his attempts away on offense. And But with Leonard Fournette, I'm just a huge Leonard Fournette fan because when I played, I was a – you know, go off tackle, I'm going to bust you in your mouth. 
that's how Leonard Ford it is. And if he doesn't, if he doesn't get hurt, if he's able to stay healthy, uh, I think Leonard Fournette uh, will be the rookie of the year because I think that Jacksonville offense is going to rely on him a lot more than Carolina is going to re- rely on Christian McCaffrey. Like you said, you know, Christian, he's more versatile. He's a return right. guy, great receiver. But I just still think as far as putting up numbers, what people look at, like, you know, like Ezekiel Elliott, 1,600 rushing yards, numbers, I think Leonard Fournette is in a better position and a better situation to be able to do that because Jacksonville will give him more opportunities than I think, you know, Christian is going to get, you know, with Carolina and that Carolina offense. Right. Well, they're going to have to rely on Fournette. I mean, Bortles only only threw for 100 yards this past weekend, and their 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 running back uh, or wide receiver Robinson's out for the season. Yep. So, you know, they're they're kind of hurting on who they can throw to and so forth. So, you know, they can't put the whole thing on Fournette, but you know, they're going to put a lot on his back, and I, I hopefully it won't you know bite them in the behind. Well, yeah. they, well, they need to because I think they're trying to take that ball out of Bortles' hands, aren't they? Not because he's a horrible quarterback too. They gave him a lot of chances. Man, and I hate to and I hate to sound like like the biggest hater on earth because every time we bring up a quarterback, I'm like, oh, he sucks. But he does. He sucks too, man. Like Bortles, like Bortles, like Bortles is another guy that's a head scratcher. Like, how is this dude still in the NFL, man? How is this dude still throwing passes with the first team offense? How? 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 So. uh yeah, they got, they're going to have to rely on Fournette because, uh, you know, Chris said it, you know, they, they don't, they're not expecting too much from Blake Borders because he's not going to give them too much. He hasn't given them too much. So I think uh, it's funny because, you know, uh, Robert Griffin III, he didn't get that many years to struggle, you know, but Blake Borders has got four or five years to struggle, and you still got him out there. RG is done, you know, after like two years and not doing too much. So yeah, it's, 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 it's a head scratcher. Mm-hmm. Well, go ahead, throw, throw that cap in at him, Chris. Should I? Should I? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So let's let's talk a little bit about what's what's gone on in in the league uh, in regards to players, you know, basically sitting out the national anthem, and it all stems from last year with 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 Kaepernick. Not, mm-hmm. you know, you know, he kind of started it. And so yeah. other players are, there's more players involved this year, not just black players, there's white players that are involved in it. There's a lot of, lot of people that are, that, are, that are voicing their opinion finally this year about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but they still will not give Kaepernick a job. You know, he's, they, they've just anti-ed him totally when they could use him. Yeah. You know, what, 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 how do you view all this? I mean, I, I think it's... Uh... I think it's extremely, you know, I think it's extremely disappointing uh, because if it's one thing that, you know, God and his country affords us all, you know, the country says it's the freedom to express yourself. I mean, that's what, I mean, to me, that's what is all, that's what it means to be an American in the United States of America, to express yourself freely. uh, And if it's something you don't agree with, don't ostracize I hate somebody because they don't think the way you think. I don't think, I, I know for a fact that Colin Kaepernick, I'm pretty sure he loves to be an American. I'm pretty sure he loves the fact that he lives in the United States of America. But he hasn't murdered anybody. As far as I know, he hasn't hit a woman. He hasn't robbed. He hasn't stolen. But what gets lost is that uh, these owners, 
these rich owners, they're going to try to prove a point. It's like, okay, you want to have a voice, which they really don't want their athletes to have voices anyway. I mean, right. the, I, I know what they say publicly, but they really want them to toe the line, be a company guy, get your check, get your big check, and be happy. And what Kaepernick did is like, okay, I, I need to take a stance. Someone needs to take a stance. If it's just me kneeling for the national anthem, which is his right to do because we live in the United States of America and you can express yourself, you should be able to express yourself any way you want because that, that's what makes this country so great, freedom of exp- expression, freedom of speech. And his was a, a silent protest. So for this man not to be given, afforded an opportunity to work in the field that he's proven to be great at, and is probably just maybe not great, but still good and better than half the starting quarterbacks, more than half of the starting quarterbacks in the NFL, for him not to get another opportunity, I think is absolutely, absolutely ridiculous and is ludicrous. But at the same time, we're dealing with the NFL. We're dealing with a private corporation like we have federal express here we have you know it's it's the big big employer here in memphis fred smith the ceo and the founder i know what you know if someone's working there it's like okay his thing is like i know what the united states of america says but this is a private corporation if we don't want to deal with this we don't have to deal with this and the thing about it you can't what you gonna pop and smack at all 32 teams no, I mean, if it was one person, you can look at it and be like, you're wrong for doing that. You can boycott the NFL, but the NFL is like, I, I'm not, I, we don't have a team. You know, we, we overlook the teams. So I think right. it's extremely disappointing, and I hate the fact that this man is not afforded an opportunity to get a job in a field that he has mastered, that he's great at, and he's put in so much time, and he's proven he's taking the team to the Super Bowl. So for him not to get a job just because he was nonviolently silently expressing himself of how he feel off a bigger picture of police brutality and the way African Americans and African American men are treated in this country. I think it's you know, I, I, I think it's ridiculous and I can't you know, I hate it, you know, but he is you know, he's 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 a millionaire and he's still doing some great things, so I I, I hate that he's having to go through that just because he tried to stand up and just bring attention to an issue that everybody knows is an issue, and it's been an issue mm-hmm. for hundreds, a couple of hundred years, especially, you know, now we're just a generation removed from Jim Crow. And so, you know, it's still relatively new, so I, I just hate that the man can, you know, can't get a job and can't even get an opportunity in a camp to prove himself. Yep, that's true. Well, we heard some music, Chris. Yes, we did. Well, Doc Holiday, I appreciate it. You just don't even know. Thank you all. It's been a pleasure. It's been a pleasure. And like I said, we definitely love to have you back on. I mean, anytime, and we'll let you know if you're not busy. Love to have you on. Thanks. It's been a pleasure talking to you all, James, Chris, and everybody out there listening. I really appreciate it. Perfect. Great. Well, we'll definitely, definitely let you know and uh, bring you back on, and, and I'll get in contact with you about that other stuff we were talking about. No doubt about it. Great. All right. Have a good day, Doc. Hey, have a good week. You all too. Thank you. Thank you. 
That's going to do it for this week's edition of Loving That Sports Talk. But don't worry, James Loving will be back next week, Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific, on the Voice America Sports Channel. Get ready to love more sports talk then. And keep in touch with James all week at lovingthatsportstalk at yahoo.com. Oh, 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 oh,